Well, good morning. Happy New Year. And happy Epiphany. Anyone here celebrate Epiphany on Friday? I actually see a single hand, and I want to talk to that person afterwards. Epiphany happens every January 6th, and this is Epiphany Sunday, being the Sunday that falls closest to Epiphany. We talk about an epiphany as a realization, an insight we've come to, a light goes on. But epiphany in the Christian calendar was the moment when the church celebrated and remembered the Magi following the star to Bethlehem. And we talk a lot during Advent and Christmas, and Christmas just ended on Thursday, 12 days of Christmas. We talk in those seasons about the light coming into the world. And the Christian feast of Epiphany is saying the light is here, the light is spreading. And so we wanted to start the new year by sharing stories of light in our lives, but also, as we saw through Advent and Christmas, whenever the light of Jesus, the incarnation, the word made flesh coming into the world is mentioned, darkness is also acknowledged. And so we see in one of the great stories of our lives, captured in Psalm 23, we see us moving through green pastures beside quiet waters in the sunlight, but then into the darkness, the shadow of the valley of death. So light and darkness are always intermingling, and we invited four members of our congregation, Annabelle, Abby, Frank, and Bruce, to share stories with us this morning to give testimony of God's light in their lives in Jesus, and as the Holy Spirit impresses that on us, but also of what has been hard, what has been dark. And as we trust in 2023, we're coming out of this pandemic for good. We invited them to reflect on what has been hard and where some kind of darkness for them was experienced over the last two and a half, three years, and where they see hope for 2023, hope that we encourage one another in as a community of faith, as we share these stories over coffee hour, in small groups, different occasions. So I'm going to pray now for the four of them as they come forward without introduction, and we look forward to hearing this. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that you are not a God who stops with Christmas. We thank you that your light came into the world and continued to grow. And we thank you for the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus, for the hope, Holy Spirit, that you've planted in the church of his coming again, for the way you invite us to be real with each other as we build lives that are on the foundation of your love and on the foundation of your word. Um, I want to pray this morning for Abby and Annabelle, for Bruce and Frank as they come forward. Would you watch over them? Would you encourage them even as they share their stories and offer us encouragement? In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so I'm Abby, for those of you who don't know me, which is probably most of you. I am a fourth-year nutritional and nutraceutical science student at the university here in Guelph, um, and I really love school, so if you have questions about what that means, I would love to talk your ear off about it. <laughs> um, but before I kind of, yeah, share a little bit about how the pandemic has 
been hard and challenging. I actually want to take a second to explain how the pandemic was a really big blessing for me. So I was in first year when the pandemic hit, and I had spent the vast majority of first year wrestling with depression and anxiety. And they weren't new struggles for me because I've struggled with my mental health for more than half my life. But for reasons that I still haven't fully identified, first year was really, really hard. It scared me and it scared the people who loved me. Not to mention, as an introvert and a homebody, living in a triple room in residence was just not the vibe. Um, and finding out that I got to move home was the biggest relief. <laughs> when the pandemic started, I also experienced this really liberating thing where everybody around me was feeling this constant fear and anxiety, but I was actually a pro at that already. And so I actually felt super equipped to handle the unknown of the pandemic. I had time and space and capacity to use the tools that I built up over the years. And for the first couple months of the pandemic, I woke up every single morning at 6.30. I would make myself a latte and then curl up at my desk in prayer and scripture before school started. I found myself in communion with God in ways that I had never experienced before. And looking back, I see that as the kindness of God so clearly. It was how he was preparing and protecting my heart for the really challenging things that were to come. Another fun fact about me is that I'm also a pastor's kid, and that's been a huge gift, and I am really, really proud to be my parents' daughter. But there have also been a lot of traumatic things we've had to walk through as a family because of my dad's role in ministry. And so I came into the pandemic with a pretty fractured view of the church. And I wish I could say that part of this story is how God has totally healed and remedied that, but I am very much in the thick of that right now. Peter's words in John 6 have been a really steady comfort, where he says, Lord, where else would I go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And that's been, yeah, a constant thing in the back of my mind. And it was really hard at the beginning of the pandemic, watching my dad go from full-time work to 70 to 90 hours a week when people said that he wasn't doing enough. That made me really bitter. I wrestled a lot with the church as a whole, and instead of taking time to give this bitterness to God, I threw myself into the roles and responsibilities I had at the church I'd been attending in university. And in case anybody needs to hear this plainly, busyness is not a good coping mechanism, and your bitterness will not heal if you pretend that it doesn't exist. When I moved back to Guelph in May of 2020, I threw myself into that church community, and it was a really neat season. I have so many stories of how I saw God move. And there were a lot of ways that being immersed in that culture was really fulfilling and familiar. But I hadn't caught on yet that familiar doesn't always mean healthy. The way the pandemic had already changed my pace of life meant that I didn't see any red flags. Almost every night of my week was full between work and church, not to mention I was also a full-time student. And I don't want to hear this and think that that's all bad. I love God's heart for the church, and I believe with my whole heart that we are supposed to sacrificially and actively participate in that work around us. But I hadn't set, like, any boundaries. And it was more or less just over a year before things kind of completely came crashing. I realized that because I hadn't set boundaries, I was hurting myself. But even more than that, I was hurting the people that I was leading and the people that I really loved. And so I spent the next nine months wrestling with God about what to do. I wanted to run and just leave it, leave it all, but Peter's words kind of stuck in the back of my head. I would describe that wrestling as a lot like how 14-year-old me would speak to my parents. It was a lot of just yelling at God and asking him what the heck he was doing. I knew that I couldn't keep doing what I was doing forever, but I didn't know how to build a better life either. 
I thought that I'd been really faithful to God and I felt like he was punishing me. In June of last year, my body basically said that enough was enough and screamed at me to slow down. Things needed to change and it needed to be right now. As I began exploring how rest might look and how I could heal my body, mind, and my spirit, I tried to do so in a way that was honest, but I experienced a lot of pushback. The expectations that were on me meant that I was not gonna be able to rest in the way that I needed to, and I realized that the environment I had been in was not gonna be conducive to my health and healing. I couldn't just keep white knuckling and calling that faithfulness. And even though it was one of the hardest decisions of my life, I felt like God gave me permission to step away from that church. There was a day this summer where I heard God almost audibly say that he wouldn't leave me stranded. And that more or less brings me here. I've been coming to court right since about August, and I can honestly say with full confidence that God has not even remotely left me stranded. There are obviously things I would have done a bit different over the last couple of years. I'm not gonna stand up here and say that 18-year-old Abby handled this with perfect grace and maturity. But at the same time, God's grace has totally covered me and it continues to do so. In terms of what I sense God doing in me this new year, it's really centered around Ephesians 3, 20 to 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. Since first year, before every single exam or any time we couldn't see what God was doing, a couple of my friends and I would pray that passage. And let me tell you, praying for abundantly more than we could ask or imagine starts to feel really useless when you keep getting bad grades. But over the last month, I've had this stirring that all of the dozens of times I prayed that prayer every semester were in vain. That maybe God didn't intend those prayers to improve my grades, but something bigger. I thought that if I was praying scripture, that it would change God and change his mind or his will for me. But instead, what I found is that it changed me. I'm starting to see little bits and pieces of the immeasurably more than I could ask or imagine. Lord willing, I get to continue my education this year in an area of study that has me in constant awe of how God created us. First year, Abby wouldn't even know what to do. I also know that there's gonna be a lot of healing ahead for me. A lot of untangling the church as Christ's bride from the ways that I've been hurt. And honestly, I'm still wounded. Sometimes showing up for church feels nearly impossible, and the songs and scriptures that used to bring me so much peace and joy sometimes feel really unsafe. But I've been amazed at how kind God has been so far, the ways that he has shown up so tangibly in my friends and in the Holy Spirit to cover me. I am really excited to see how this prayer of Ephesians 3 will come to life this year, because I know God's power is at work in me and at work among all of us. And I'm filled with so much joy and confidence that whatever this year holds, God will get the glory, whether or not it feels abundant to me. Thank you for those words, Annabelle. I think, Abby, Annabelle, where did that name come from? I got another A name in my presentation. I'm likely going to mess that one up, too. <laughs> I have a feeling there's going to be a lot coming at you folks this morning. The pandemic certainly has given us a pause for thought, perhaps realigning our priorities. It has certainly changed how we do things. As a society, our attention has been drawn towards things that don't work very well. Our health care system, our elder care, how well we are feeding the world and taking care of our neighbors. <clears throat> But these issues have always been with us. I think it's not for lack of trying to do our best. We have among us teachers and, and medical people who are doing their very best to 
to have good outcomes. I don't have some great insight into why COVID knocked us back so badly, but I would like to share a couple of stories about how we might be able to respond differently. And during the economic downturn in 08, as people were being laid off and or just not give, be get, being given as many shifts, my business saw an increase in activity. I have a portable sawmill and I turn trees into lumber and people take that lumber to make beautiful things. With the economic downturn and similarly with COVID shutdown, many people looked to see what was at hand to try to fill their extra time. So they came and got material to, to repair their houses or work on projects that they had planned for years but didn't have time to carry them out. So we sold more wood, we dried more wood, and I even had a friend whose employment situation changed and he came to work for me. Ours is a construction-related industry and we work outside, so while we did comply with COVID restrictions, we were not actually shut down. Probably the most interesting thing when you're involved in an industry like mine is that the people that you meet. There are always new people coming through the door, but with the COVID shutdown, even more people came to visit. A blessing not experienced by many in these times. Yes, we felt the inconvenience of the pandemic measures, and we were worried about personal health and family health implications, but I wouldn't say that we suffered through the pandemic. The things I missed greatly was getting together with family and friends, especially over a meal. I love to eat and I love to feed people. Not getting, together, not getting together here to sing and worship and hear the word of God preached was also hard. We could still sing and study God's word at home, but regrettably that didn't happen as much as it could have. You can even have your phone read the Bible to you now with soothing music in the background. Did you know that? <laughs> Dating myself. I was impressed with how professionally and quickly our leadership team was able to pivot to a totally online platform. They looked around to see what was at hand and they realized they could do it. It meant we could still be together in some fashion and that was vital. But as good as they are though, Zoom meetings and online services make me crazy and they're a poor substitute for being in the same room. So try not to be defeated by your circumstances, but look for what you have close at hand to move forward, much like the people who came looking for materials to work on their projects, or like our leadership team who helped us experience God in a whole new way. Second thing, and second story. The crowd of people, the fellowship of believers in this building, is not the same as it was three years ago. Some have stayed away out of an abundance of caution for themselves and their families. Some are getting older and mobility has become an issue. Our family missed the Christmas services because of closed roads. As I get older, I may be learning it becomes harder to do everything I want to do. Maybe. Our online services are a great comfort and a connection for those who can't get here. In the last couple of years, we have had a difficult staff change here at Courtright and some are not here because of that. The challenging discussions around our position on sexual orientation has caused even more to worship elsewhere. Some of our younger people, some of the younger among us have gone off to university and some from the university, as we've just heard, have joined us, but they will one day graduate and move on to the rest of their lives. My wee friend, Amelia, see, I got it, Irene and Steve's Light's granddaughter and her family went off to Newfoundland. I believe God's best plan for us, though, 
is not about breaking apart and going our separate ways, but rather about reconciling. In his letter to the Corinthians, Paul points out that God, through Christ, has reconciled us as believers to himself. This we know. He has also given us the ministry of reconciliation. What does that even mean? I think it means that we should be all over this idea, this act, this action of reconciliation. A number of years ago, Kathy and I took our family out of a church that we had attended for a long time. It felt to me like a trust had been broken. I knew the importance of not dwelling on the wrongdoing, but rather being reconciled, but it seemed I didn't have the heart to try any harder. One of the most striking things about that experience was the realization that when you leave a fellowship, you not only leave a gathering, but you leave your friends, your support group, the people who pray for and with you, and the people that you support in prayer. Some who are among us here at Courtright are gone for a season. Some can't get here, and we do our best to connect with them online. Some are not here and have a deep sense of hurt, or, like I felt years ago, may feel betrayed. How can we mitigate this loss in our context here at Courtright? Perhaps it is simple is as simple as reinvigorating the ancient art of the phone conversation, or even letter writing. Email makes that task quick and easy. Perhaps the conversation starts with, I was thinking about, it's here somewhere. I was thinking about you folks today. How are you doing? Or missing you guys a lot today and wondering how your son or daughter is doing so far from home at work or at school. If you pray for your friends, let them know that you do that. Bless them every chance you get, whether they are here or far away. I feel that the fellowship here at Courtright may be fractured, but I am hopeful because we have been given the ministry of reconciliation and we've been given the wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit to do this work. My encouragement to all of you, my friends, is to reach out and touch someone you care about. It's not even about getting people back into the building. It's more about kingdom building outside these walls and living at peace as much as is possible with all those around you. This is where I find myself at the beginning of 2023. May our year be filled with God's richest blessing and many opportunities to reach out and reconcile. Good morning. My name is Frank Brewster, and uh, I've attended Courtright, I don't know, since 1988, I think. And I, too, came from a broken fellowship. Um, so my story about, uh, about the, uh, the pandemic is that it came a good time in my life, and it gave me some quiet, peace and quiet. I, I practiced law here for 50 years, and my, even though... My partner suddenly decided that it was time I retire. I, I, I recognized it was 15 years over the partnership date when I was supposed to retire. <laughs> but it came as a big shock to me. Um, <laughs> six months later, the Lord told me they did the right thing, Frank. Settle down. <laughs> so, uh, as I said, I practice law here and. Uh, 
That was a difficult decision. There weren't a lot of, there still probably aren't, a lot of Christian lawyers. And so uh, I, came to that I came to that decision when I was a pioneer. I'm one of the pioneer guys. And uh, I laid a fleece, and uh, I really believe that God called me to come and practice law. Um, not every Christian agreed with me. And particularly in some of the work I did, I, I, for 30 years I was general counsel at Children's, Children's Aid. And, and many Christians have in their churches or, or work with people that uh, have occasion to rub into Children's Aid and they did not approve of the fact that a fellow believer would be acting for the society. But I really, so my first point is that I really believe that when I laid out a fleece at Pioneer Camp, in, 1988 or something, I don't know well before that, 1968, um, that God spoke. And um, he has continued that and constantly reassured me that I am a beloved son. Um, but having lived inside of the legal profession, which is not necessarily warm and fuzzy towards Christians or Christian lawyers, um, I came, I came, I, I fell into overworking. I fell into um, thinking that God only loved me if I really worked hard. And so I would crowd into a full job, Christian work. And it wasn't necessarily good for me. And, uh, and I, it, the, the fear factor of um, that I was going to screw up and be disbarred, or lose my wife, or all that, really bothered me. And I really thought that if I served God, and if I served on church committees, and if I worked really hard on Christian boards, that was, that was my, I, I was a corporate lawyer. I knew all about governance, and so many organizations um, sought me out, and I would sit on their boards, because I didn't have the sense to say no. And uh, that was not good for me. And that's what the pandemic taught me. Um, scripture, there's a scripture on a farm on Highway 86. It's been there all the time. 60 years I've driven to the cottage, to Janet's cottage. And I go up Highway 86 on a Friday night and there it is. And I can't remember the reference, but it does, it does say, of whom much is given, much is required. Noblesse oblige. And that was not helpful for me. Uh, I thought if I was going to avoid crashing, if I was going to avoid being sued, if I was going to avoid or whatever you can imagine, my wife leaving me, my kids dying, whatever you want, uh, of whom much is given, much is required, is a troublesome verse. And that's why it's not up there. Um, <laughs> I was rescued from some of this by my friend Glenn Fox and some conversations with him, but also with uh, Glenn Soderholm, who I golf with and who's a Presbyterian minister, all approved. And, and <laughs> I was, uh, I was told not to wander, I'm wandering. <laughs> 
But in a casual conversation with Glenn on the golf course, I, we were talking about this, and he finally looked at me and said, is that what you think God's like? Is that how you see God, that he rewards you for all your work and he doesn't punish you? That's not God. God loves you. God loved you when you were born. He loves you now. So the verse, and probably no, none of you know it, but uh, I was taught it at Pioneer and probably in Scotland. I don't think we sing it anymore. In fact, I think Mrs. Beer at the back there is probably the only one who could sing along with me if I asked her to. But, but as I was doing my meditations for this, it came back to me. And we haven't sung it here ever. And I'm willing to, willing to think that none of you know it. But it was, do you want a pilot? Signal then to Jesus. Do you want a pilot? Bid him come aboard. For he will safely guide across the oceans wide until at last you reach the heavenly harbor. And that came to me as I was writing this out and uh, note to file, if you ever do, I do public speaking, you would probably guess <laughs> three days a week. I think I have to type it out this time and I have to make it larger print so I can read my notes. <laughs> but that, that's, that's how I've, I've come to see my Christian life, is that God is my pilot. And the funny thing is I was meditating for this. I've come to see that I have actually been a pilot for others. I come alongside a board, a church, a committee, and I provide guidance. I don't I get to pray with them, but really I'm the pilot. They bring me the problem. When my job is done, I take that little pilot's boat down and I leave the main boat and go back to the harbor. And so that's what that revelation has allowed me uh, in the pandemic. So my experience with the pandemic, I was retired, let go the week before the pandemic. And so the pandemic of not seeing anybody, not having to go to board meetings, I resigned from them all anyway, most of them all. I told my firm I resigned from them all, but there are some Christian ones I've kept. Anyway, uh, but as a pilot, and that's been really helpful. For me, and that's how in the quietness of the pandemic and not being on the phone and not going to lunch every day and not all of that, God has allowed me to see that maybe I could be a pilot. So thank you very much. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Annabelle Edward, and I've grown up in this church. Today I want to share with you all um, what I've found challenging over the last few years and where I feel God um, is leading me through this new year. Over the last few years during the pandemic, many people have found various things challenging. I know for myself, I have found the unknown and, well, growing up challenging. Sometimes I find it easy to forget that the pandemic started when I was 13 and now I'm 16. Throughout the last three years, I've grown up a lot. And with that came the awareness and uncertainty of the future. More prominently this past year, but throughout the whole pandemic, I have found myself um, thinking about what my future holds. With that, questioning God and asking him what path he sees me on and where I'm meant to go or what I'm meant to do. 
I know for myself, the question of what job and place in the world I'm meant to fulfill has been most commonly asked. I've spent many a night reading my Bible and praying for guidance and direction. I have spent time trying out different career paths and asking others for advice, dreaming up different directions my life could go and what might fulfill me. Throughout this time, all I found was more confusion and more questions. <laughs> I remember a few times thinking God was leading me one way, only to not be so sure the next day. I feel that many youth go through a time of uncertainty of their future, but I also feel that the pandemic heightened this. With all the uncertainty revolving around COVID and how long it would last, that brought up the question of the future a lot more frequently. I found that because I felt so powerless, lonely, and disconnected from church, school, and friends during the pandemic, all I really wanted to do was find that power by controlling my future. I know that I should have been trusting in God's timing. I knew I should have been focusing more on trusting him rather than chasing after all the answers I wanted. But I, could, I just could not seem to relinquish my worries into his hands. I wanted that safety net that I so craved during the pandemic. I wanted certainty. I remember one night sitting in my room and asking God to show me what role he sees me playing in the future. I bargained with him. I said, if you give me this one thing, I'll be satisfied. If I know this certainty of my future, I will wait and trust in your timing. I still did not grasp the concept of giving my worries to God. I was still holding on to the desire of making it on my own to make sure I never felt the same uncertainty I did during the pandemic. As I stand here today, I still have not figured out direction, um, the direction in life or work I should go. I still have questions and wonders and worries. I still hope to get that clear and precise answer. I still want that certainty. However, as I started writing this, I stumbled across a verse in the Bible that has, um, that has helped me through a lot of my other struggles. And I realized that this is what Jesus wants me to focus on going into New Year. And maybe it might help a few of you as well. Matthew 6, 25 to 27 states, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is life not more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Reading this, I came to the realization that I'm not going to get the answers I crave in the timeline I have made. I realized that I might never get that certainty in my future. Instead, I'm being asked to step out of my comfort zone and look at my future a little bit differently. No, I don't know what, um, I don't know what it holds, and no, I really don't like that. However, am I not much more valuable than the birds of the air to my heavenly father? How then can I worry about the future with him by my side? Like scripture says, can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? God realizes that this is challenging for me, yet he also knows that through this I can grow and learn. He wants me to work on trusting in him and on not needing that certainty because he's with me. 
He knows that taking the time to work on building my trust in him will deepen my relationship with him. That, that is a better answer to my prayers than I could have ever hoped for. And I pray through this testimony, some of you might find some comfort with any worries you have carried into this new year and work on, like me, taking the time on building your relationship with God to not need that certainty. Instead, trusting that he will carry you through no matter what. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for Abby, for Bruce, for Frank, and for Annabelle. We thank you for your presence in their lives. We thank you for their willingness to share their stories with us. Um, We thank you, Lord, that you are a God of reconciliation. You are a God of new things. You are a God of hope. And so as we pray for this new year, as we, all of us, have worries and dreams for 2023, we ask that you would continue your work of making all things new among us. You who bring what is broken into wholeness, who brings shalom. You are God who promises to restore and to renew. And so we pray today for those who are struggling. We pray for your Holy Spirit to really hover over the four who shared this morning. Um, That can sometimes leave us feeling strange after we've done that before a group. So we pray that Holy Spirit, that you would mend and you would uh, fill in those cracks. We pray for those who are sick in our congregation today who could not be here with us. We pray for those who mourn. We think especially of David Clayton who lost his dad yesterday. We pray for those who don't have much to hope for, who feel like they're in a place of despair right now. We pray for those who are still experiencing that loneliness of the pandemic. And we pray for our congregation that you would bring us back together this new year. You who watch over our coming and our going. You to whom we look for for help when we're paying attention. We pray that you would come among us in Jesus' name. And now we pray in the words that he taught his disciples to pray, that you teach us now to pray. And the words will be on the screen saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.